This Kendra is where they make their mark. This is the time where you've got to turn the table. You've got to take advantage and ride this wave in this momentum. Look out! And welcome to the Match Preview Podcast. Callum Williams, as always, alongside former golfer, soccer star, Kindra D. St. Aubin. Lots to get through on the podcast today. Later on in the show, we'll be joined by Portland Timbers TV analyst, Ross Smith, to help us preview Saturday evening's match. But first, Kindra, let's talk about last evening. We're recording this on Thursday afternoon. Minnesota victorious over Austin FC. Before we get into the details and the nitty-gritty tactical side of things, let's concentrate with the events off the field, shall we? Because it was so wonderful to see Allianz Field sold out once again. Yeah, and you know, actually, now that you say that, and you and I were just discussing before we started recording, but why are we both so exhausted and tired? Maybe that's why. There was just like an emotional high with everything that was going on at Allianz Field last night, the energy in that stadium, the buildup to that, the, the game itself. Um, it was just, there was so much involved in it. It little, it kind of felt like a microcosm of 2019 when we opened Allianz field, just much nicer, warmer weather. Um, but the energy was just absolutely, and maybe even more energy in the sense that what the world in Minnesota has gone through in the last 18 months or a year, it was like this crazy release and having everybody back in there. Maybe that's why we both feel like we've been hit by a truck today. So imagine how the players feel. <laughs> you and I didn't run around anywhere, and I feel like I need a nap. So um, what a day, what a night. It was fantastic. It did. It felt like a rebirth of some sort, didn't it? It was just a wonderful occasion. And uh, I, I dare say the July 3rd game against San Jose may feel very similar as well, because I was thinking about this um, late last night. Because the game was on a Wednesday, it, it can be quite difficult for, for people, particularly young families, to, to get out on a Wednesday evening. So even on July 3rd against the earthquakes, that's going to be the first time for many to get to the stadium as well. Yeah, and, you know, you've never actually given birth, and I have, so I don't know if a rebirth is the right way to phrase it. <laughs> but, yes, I get what you're saying. Um, and I agree with you. And not only just a Saturday, but a holiday weekend. And I always, you know, with sports, you never know with holiday weekends how they're going to go. Is it going to be more people? Is it going to be less people because you got things going on? But um, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be fantastic. And a little bit of a road trip in here in between the two home games. But um, you could tell the fans, Adrian, the staff, everybody just feeding off that energy last night. It was, it was goosebumps. It was literally goosebumps all around watching that take place. Uh, it was fantastic. And obviously it helps when Minnesota United win. They did just that. It was almost a perfect evening, Kendra, because Minnesota had everything. The full crowds. There was two goals from two players making their home debuts. Uh, Adrian Unu scored his first goal for the club. Fragapane made it two goals in two games as well. Um, wh where did it go right for you on the field for Minnesota United? What Was there a defining factor as to why they were so comfortable against Austin FC? You know, I think they just, first of all, I do think there was a little bit of a bad taste in their mouth from the home opener against Austin FC in which they lost that match. And to be fair, I think Austin came in, it kind of rode roughshod on Minnesota United in that match. They did exactly what they wanted to do when they wanted to do it. And Minnesota might have been fortunate to only give up the one goal in that game. And I do think there was a bit of memory there. And that's, of course, Unu and Dragopane weren't here for that game. But coming back to the home stadium and 
having those two players be involved as much as they were and having the game plan that Adrian Heath and company have, you know, thought out and created for this team and to have the pieces go into place and actually execute what is intended for them in their appropriate positions, I think it's kind of a thing of beauty. And and by no means is it a perfect game, but just, again, I use the word fluidity a lot because I think when you see that attack and you see the pieces and you see the way that they can flow and exchange and um, the, the players with the willingness to make the runs that are necessary into the space to find the game, to find the ball, to find the teammates, those those are things that Adrian Heath and company are are just I'm sure ecstatic to see, and we saw it last night. And um, I just think that you know when you have players that can play together like that with that kind of energy and that kind of quality, it's really something something fun to enjoy. And it sure was a fun game to call. The front four looked magnificent. They looked as dangerous as they ever have done. Um, whenever you think of a, of a Minnesota United attacking unit. Of all the years and over the years that we've been covering this team, Kay, it's, it's difficult to think of a more dangerous attacking quartet for Minnesota United. And we, we really did last night get a glimpse of what's to come. Well, and I think I said it quite a few times in the broadcast, when you have that many different options that can be dangerous from an attacking perspective, how does the defense keep its shape? How do they keep their balance? How do they know where to shut this person down and that create, you know, that you know, brings the the attack to a, a stop. It, there isn't that option right now for Minnesota United. Even last season, when Kevin Molino and Emmanuel Reynoso were lighting the world on fire in the handful of months that they had together, it still was, if you shut down Kevin Molino or you shut down Emmanuel Reynoso, if you cut off one of those players out of the mix, then the whole offense just kind of fell stagnant at times. And you get into that final a third of the field and it was lacking the creativity, lacking the movement off the ball. It got very one-dimensional. That is not the case anymore because you have the overlapping runs by Roma Metzenier and by Chase Gasper as a variety, as a secondary option from a direct ball over the top to Adrian Anu in between the two center backs or between a center back and an outside back. You have a through ball. You have a give and go, a 3v2 that you maybe create along the wing. I mean, so many options. Fregapane cutting inside. I just think that it's one of those things that teams are going to have a very difficult time stopping and scouting this club going forward, knowing the weapons that Minnesota United has it as it's at its disposal. Like we've seen with other clubs that Minnesota United has played over. Why Atlanta United was so good. Why LAFC can be so good from an attacking standpoint, Seattle at times, like it's a difficult task defensively when you have that many weapons. One of the, Main weapons, of course, is Adrian Unu, as we mentioned, scored his first goal for the club on his home debut. You mentioned it in our pregame show on the television side of things. His off-the-ball movement no doubt causes a lot of problems. I wonder now, Kendra, if if we, and not that we expect goals um, every week from, from the French forward, but it must have been an almighty relief for him in his third game to finally score. And not that it's it's taken a long time, but as a centre forward, your sole purpose is to score goals for, for the most part. So to finally break his personal duck, now it'll be interesting to see how he reacts moving forward. 
Yeah, and I think we saw it in the very first match, Real Salt Lake. He was kind of thrown into a tricky situation there where, you know, it's right before the break. He hadn't had a ton of time with the team. He wasn't maybe fully match fit, as we had talked about the break that he had before coming to Minnesota United. He gets thrown into Salt Lake. It wasn't a great game from a team perspective for Minnesota United. Probably didn't do what he was expecting himself to do. Has that two- or three-week break. Integrates, inter, integrates himself into the team, into the style, into the form, and then just comes and honestly, in my in my view, blew the doors off in Dallas. He didn't get the goal, but we we could see what he was capable of. And then for him as a number nine, as a striker, as you say, to kind of get that monkey off your back and bear the opportunity in that game last night at against Austin, I think is is something that's for him, it's for the club, it's for his teammates, and you love to see hard work get rewarded. And it was a header goal, and it was a fantastic header, but we've also seen come really close, you know, scoring goals with his feet. So I think, again, this is like the highlight tape we saw of him, his dynamic ability to score in different ways, and um, and, and a set-piece corner kick goal for Minnesota United. It was funny, I was talking to my mom on the way home last night. It was the first thing she said to me, you scored on a corner kick. And I was like, yes, mom, we scored on a, you know. <laughs> so I think um, I think the fact that they, I, once again, have different ways of scoring goals and Adriana knew. I, I just think you can't say enough positive things about him and Fragapane. And, and it's not just about scoring goals. It's about the way they work defensively and they toe the line. These are all things that their teammates behind them will appreciate some of the most exhilarating attacking football we've seen, particularly in the 20 minutes for Minnesota United, in my opinion. I thought they were wonderful, and Austin FC had zero answers. Let's not forget as well, they did this without Yukaraitala, Robin Lourdes, and Jan Gregus, who, by the way, to our knowledge, will be back in the country next week at some stage. We're assuming that means they won't be available on Saturday against Portland Timbers. In case you missed it, Kickoff time changed from 9.30 Central to 10 p.m. Make sure you've got plenty of coffee. It'll be a late one. Um, with all of that in mind, Kay, knowing that Minnesota have played three games in seven days as well, we would assume there would be a couple of changes to the lineup on Saturday at Providence Park. I would think there would have to be. I mean, Adrian really uh, rode a couple of those guys pretty hard in the last two games, Dallas and Austin, in both very hot climates, one traveling on the road, one at home. And Adrian knows the schedule that's upcoming, but he also knows what's best for the players and for the club and for the roster. So how does he rotate some of those guys um, for Saturday night is going to be a, a tough task. I mean, this is why this is part of the reason why coaches get paid the big bucks is to make these decisions and to roll out the best team possible. I mean, Portland's also coming off a road game at Houston, not an easy place to play when we talk about climate. They're going back to Portland where it's 100 and. 508 degrees they don't get any reprieve so everybody is thinking squad rotation now and I'll be really curious to get to training on Friday and see who's just moving around and functioning on the pitch let's not even talk about who's doing drills and who's running around I just want to see who's mobile because that was an exhausting game last night that was a lot of work a lot of running and again, another hot night. So you would think there would have to be some squad rotation. Um, some of those young guys that we're used to seeing run all day. Maybe they can go again. Um, Ja'Cory Hayes, you know, I think he's a, is a really good option centrally um, for what he can bring to the table. And just knowing that he didn't have as many minutes the other night. Ozzy Alonso only played a handful of minutes. 
what's Roman Metanier's status? That's a big question mark for me. So um, Adrian's going to have to really think, uh, have a tough think about this one. But yeah, everyone's going to be doing the squad rotation and we'll see who he throws out there Saturday. Pure speculation here. We haven't seen training, so we don't have any prior knowledge. But you, you, would, you wouldn't be too surprised if you saw some of the names you just mentioned there, the likes of Ozzy Alonso, Ja'Cory Hayes, maybe even Juan Agudelo or Ramon Abila, somebody along those lines. We don't know the status, as you mentioned, of Roma Metinia yet either. As also maybe we see a debut for the DJ Taylor in Major League Soccer. Maybe Hassani Dotson slots in at right back. The point is, though, Kay, before we go to break, lots of options for Adrian Heath to choose from. This is, and it's not like before Minnesota haven't had options, but with all due respect, it's the quality of options. It's more about quality now as opposed to quantity like it was a couple of years ago. Yeah, and I think that's the beauty of the way this roster has been built, and it's taken nearly five years. And, you know, that's more realistic, I think. It, it takes time to get the right players in the right mix at the right time. And the transfer windows, then you have the pandemic in there. I mean, there's a lot of things that go into making an MLS roster, especially if you're not throwing around tens of millions of dollars. Um, so, yeah, you know, Minnesota and I has worked very hard on getting the roster to this point. And as you said, that's without Rob and that's without Yuka, and that's without Jan, who all hopefully will be back in the fold for July 3rd. But let's just assume, and, and you know, pretty likely that they're not going to be there Saturday. Ja'Cory Hayes, as we just said, Ethan Finley didn't play a second. He's absolutely a guy that can go 90 minutes, regardless of the heat. And I know he's, you know, been a little bit hobbled with um, some issues on the side and whatever, but he's been training in full. So they have options. You said it, DJ Taylor, maybe Justin McMaster gets some more minutes. Juan Aguadelo, you know, Ramon Abila. I think they've got to be careful with Fregapane and Unu. This is just my own personal opinion. They've come into this country. They've come out firing on all cylinders, going 100 miles an hour, wanting to impress their club, wanting to impress the fan base. And that's two back-to-back games where they played a lot of minutes in high heat, and then you're throwing the travel in it. It's a different animal coming to the United States, playing in MLS. So I think we'll see how he uses those two um, in this match. And then also, how does Reynoso look? Because he got banged up last night, and he got fouled a lot last night. He was on the turf a lot. He argued with Adrian and wanted to go back on the pitch in the first half and felt good enough to go. But after you sit for a night and you're doing a little regen, how does he wake up the next morning? So quality of the depth is an absolute bonus for Minnesota United and for this roster at this point. And I'm very fortunate that Adrian can look down the bench without his international guys right now and feel good about who he's going to throw out there on Saturday. Okay, plenty more Minnesota United versus Portland Timbers conversation on the way. Next up, we'll be joined by Ross Smith, the TV analyst of Portland Timbers. Minnesota United fans, save time every time when you use online check-in for a great haircut at Great Clips. Download our app or check in online at greatclips.com. Great Clips, it's going to be great. Hello there and welcome back to the Match Preview Podcast. Callum Williams, as always, alongside former U of M soccer star Kindred D. St. Aubin. Portland Timbers, the next opponents for Minnesota United this Saturday evening at Providence Park. So we thought we'd bring on the man who knows Portland Timbers inside out. Former Portland Timbers defender, uh, former Colorado Rapids defender, former Dagenham and Redbridge defender as well. Ross Smith, the current <laughs> analyst of the Portland Timbers television broadcast, joins us. Ross, uh, thanks for your time. How are you? Welcome to the pod. I'm doing well. It's the first time I think I've been uh, 
uh, I've been introduced with the Dagnum and Redbridge tag, which I'm very proud, <laughs> very proud of, and that, that says a lot in a way. <laughs> Do you know what? I was thinking about this actually the other day. I actually think I commentated on one of your games at Dagenham and Redbridge back in like 2008. It was a long time ago, but it was a good little football yeah. club. It's good, Victoria Road. It's uh, it's a great intimate atmosphere, and it's it's one of those where you can hear absolutely every single spectator in the stands. So whether it's good when you're, you're playing well, but it's certainly one where you think, oh, I can't hide, and I want to hide in <laughs> other games. And I hope it wasn't one of those games where I was trying to hide and, and you were commenting on it. So hopefully you saved me. <laughs> well, uh, for those listening who have absolutely no idea what we're talking about, go and check out Dagenham and Redbridge. Wonderful little London club, they really are. Uh, okay, Ross, let, let's get things started then, shall we? Um, from a, a Portland Timbers point of view this season, four wins, four losses, one tie. How do you assess what you've seen so far? It's the type of season that it didn't really get going until after CCL. And for the Timbers being in CCL, they uh, went all in with, with that, especially against Club America. With, with the two legs there. And they were having to rotate. They were having to, to put that emphasis on Club America. And when they didn't go through to, to the next stages, they all of a sudden then had to turn their attention. But through everything they put into it, the injuries, um, players needing a, a little bit of rest, you felt like, okay, it, it, it needed a few matches. It needed players to recover before you could start to see that identity for the Timbers. And really still we're looking at it. The Timbers have won uh, three of the last four games. But the last two matches, they haven't started. Uh, they started the match without any designated players. And so they're still needing players to come back. They, they still need to, uh, to, to show and, and put their best foot forward. So they haven't really kicked in the gear. But what they've done is they've managed to, to get good results, as I mentioned, three wins in the last four games, uh, without all their top players uh, available to Giovanni Savarese. So I think we're still waiting to see what these, this Timbers team is all about. Um, and, uh, and, and to see what Giovanni Savarese uh, can do with what's available. Talk a little bit about CCL and what that means for a club and the kind of toll it takes on a team, because I think we in MLS, we talk about that a lot. We talk about seeing Toronto FC or Philadelphia, whoever it might be, sort of struggle at the beginning of the season, having a little bit of a hangover. What, what have you seen up close and personal from Portland, having gone through it with them? I think it, it helps a great deal, Kendra. The fact that with Portland Timbers and the amount of players who, um, you know, are are from from Central America, from from South America, from Mexico, it's the idea of of playing outside of your country, and knowing that there's a lot of eyeballs on it. So it's not just uh, amongst fans in MLS that now you're starting to to speak to a wider audience, and you want to be recognized on that stage. So I think the players understand that, and now I think in certainly in the Portland market. Fans are starting to understand the magnitude of it. And I think what everybody hangs out there is that you need to be the first MLS club in this new format to win CCL. And so I think that's a little bit of a carrot as well. Um, but Club America certainly helps. And Club America, when we, we were going through our interviews with players and you know what they expect, everybody, uh, you know, players overseas, players across in Europe, they, they knew about Club America. You know, they followed the results. They knew big-time players came from there. So they recognized that this was a huge, huge stage. And to see their, the, the interviews, the content that the Timbers put out there, you know, it was a big occasion for, for the guys. And uh, I think for that, whenever you get a big occasion is what players want to be a part of. And when you put a Club America into the mix of it all, for some players, they were saying, this is going to be the biggest game of my life. 
And now the players seeing it. I think the fans are recognizing more and more what it means. What about this week then, Ross, in, in terms of the, the game against Houston Dynamo? When you look at the, the lineup for the Timbers, fairly muted, which is to be expected with like most teams this week, three games in seven days. Uh, what was the expectation from the Houston Dynamo game and did it deliver? With Sorry, Callum, uh, broke up there. What was the expectation for the, the Houston Dynamo game? It, exactly. And, and did it deliver? What was a point satisfactory, I guess, is the, the question I'm asking. It was in the game. It's one of those where it's it, it felt like a point gain for the Timbers. And the way they played in the first half, again, to what was available uh, available to Gio, um, the, the formation that he, he set out, he set out five at the back, two in front of them, and then three further forward. Um, and it wasn't working in the first half. And he adjusted. He brought Valeri off the bench. And I thought that made a difference um, to, to the team. And the second half was much better. I think they started to have an identity and understanding more ideas defensively of how that back five works. Um, and, and, and you both know that's a tricky system to, to try and play. And I thought second half, they started to figure it out and they started to figure out how to go forward. And in large part, I was with Valeri coming on. And Valeri, uh, he, he made a difference. So from coming, the, the scoreline for the Timbers and, and being 2-0, to, to coming back and getting a point, rescue a point right at the death with the ball oversee, his first goal of the season. A great whip. I don't know if you saw it. Luis Mabiala. It's one of the best, best crosses of the ball you could expect out of a player, let alone a center back last night. It was something else, but a Bobasee, he needed that. And his celebration, it said it as well. I looked to the heavens. He puffed out his cheeks. And this is a guy who you would say was struggling for 90 minutes out of the match, but in the 91st minute, all was forgotten. So, a point, a point rescued, and a Bobasi getting off the mark. Um, I think for the Timbers coming back now, going up against Minnesota, um, to have that and, and four points out of two matches in a three-game week is a big boost. How would you characterize Diego Valeri's role on this club now at this point in his career? Great question. It's a great, I don't know. <laughs> I think we're waiting to figure it out, if I'm honest with you. And I think for Valeri, what you saw last night coming off the bench, is that when other players were tired, the game was a little bit more open for him to step into. And so you could see him getting into, into the spaces that he needed to that were already made for him by the other players who, who had started the match. I wonder, Kendra. And look, father time comes tapping on the, the shoulder to all players. And not to say that that's the time, but what you're saying from the manager, uh, Gio, with how he rotated, not just Valeri, but Diego Chara, Steve Clark, players north of 30, um, you know, they're starting to get rested a little bit more where we never saw that. But I actually think that could favor the Timbers at times when you have Valeri for those reasons I've given. And what we have seen is Valeri still has the ideas. And Valeri was never a player that relied on his pace or his power. He relied on his speed of thought. And I think that helps him in those types of situations coming off the bench, whether he, you know, still remains a starter throughout you know, 34 games of the season, game in, game out, uh, you know, or whether it's there's going to be a couple matches to come off the bench and whether, you know, Diego Valeri for everything that he's accomplished. I mean, this is always the question for a player's career. Can they handle the next transition, whether that's this year or whether that's years down the line? Well, Ross, from a, from a, a player that has gone very much into father time in Diego Valeri. Let's transition into to somebody who is making their way into the first team and gaining a lot of attention. Eric Williamson, how good is this kid? And how good can he be? 
how good can he be? And I think he could be a, a talent that is unique to, to the Timbers, certainly, to this league. And seen in the first half, the way he, he drove through the middle of the park and he, he popped it up uh, off to the right back one knee and got it back. And his first touch was a strike on goal and it's come off the woodwork or it's come off the crossbar. Um, I'm going back to my Degman Redbridge days there. It was all made of wood. Um, but for Williamson, that is a flash of what he can do. And, and we've seen it a couple of times without Diego Chara starting beside him, that Williamson thinks, right, it's on me now to carry this team. And I think he's been able to, to take on that load. But what I would say, and, and when you emphasize what can he do, I don't think consistency would be, would be linked with, with how he's played game in, game out. And I think that is the one knock on his match is that it's not there every single game. And for him, it's making sure that there's no moments being taken off, that defensively he's, he's constantly concentrating. And then going forward, he realizes he can be a game changer. And I think once he, he starts to put that in every single game, we could be talking about a star in this league, but we're talking about stars from a, a star in a game here and there and not, uh, and, and not over the course of you know, four or five weeks strung together just yet. A player that can be a star game in and game out is Sebastian Blanco, and he's coming back yeah. into the mix for you guys. Played a handful of minutes two games ago. I think he came on in the 70th or 71st minute last night, more and more minutes. What have you seen from him in his transition back? That, to me, is a pretty quick turnaround from an ACL, but does he seem ready yeah. to go? He does. He does. You know what? And I'm, I'm just waiting to see right near the end of the match. He actually had to, to come off last night, and so I'll be up at training tomorrow. Uh, hopefully it was... Uh, it, it was precautionary measures that it, I know from Gio, he said in his post game that he felt a little bit of tightness. And so hopefully it was to that, look, we're not going to worry about it after the serious injury and, uh, and the long rehab that he's gone through. Let's just get him off the pitch. You know what? And I'd be interested to hear what, what, what both of your thoughts are. He reminded me watching Franco Fragapane, and I hope my pronunciations uh, are correct there. I've seen him for two matches, but I thought that's, that's Blanco, the way he moves, the way he shifts Obviously, Fragapone scored two good goals uh, so far, certainly last night's goal. But I, don't, I just thought that's a little bit of Blanco in there. I, I think you will find it difficult to find an argument from us there, Rossi. That's a, that's a very good comparison. We're, we're very excited about Franco Fragapone in these parts, for sure. It took a long time to get him, but good things come to those yeah. who wait, for sure. Well, what's wrong on the subject of Franco Fragapone in Minnesota United? From an outsider's perspective, Ross, what have you seen from the Loons so far this season? I think they've in, uh, in in matches. I'll go back to the first match of the season against Seattle, and I know, I know both of you and how much work you put into to matches and your preparation. And I thought, hearing analysis of Minnesota United were blown out in that match, I thought you haven't watched the game. You've just looked at the scoreline because I thought Minnesota were really good in that game uh, up to 70, 70 minutes or so. But I thought this the scorelines wasn't a true reflection on how Minnesota played. Um, so to that, I would put Minnesota United in the area of one of the more dangerous, one of the more exciting teams in this league. Certainly if, if um, how, uh, how new do I pronounce that correctly? Your new striker, your French striker, if he's going to be scoring goals, uh, who knew, sorry, who knew Fregapone, uh, him coming in. You know, if, if they're going to provide, I look at Reynoso, uh, Reynoso, he is a tremendous player. I mean, even last night's game, some of his touches, even in the second half, when things weren't quite coming off, but he was always involved, I think he is some player to watch. So all around what Adrian Heath has available to him and what he's been able to do with his identity, 
I, I think they're one of the top teams, even though the standings doesn't reflect that just now. When you look at the Western Conference, and it really truly feels like the parity is at an all-time high in the Western Conference, and it's anybody's anybody's conference to win, maybe aside from the Seattle yeah. right now, who seems to be running away with it. Schmetzer just doing Schmetzer things. What do you see from the West and where Portland, you know, might shake out in in this early time in this season? Yeah, what what you can't deny with the Timbers, and I, and I say that there's there's a belief about them and there's the right level of swagger as well from I call them the, the been there done that players that they have they have match winners and no matter the scoreline and you look at that last night Larry comes on the pitch and there's a presence about him and there's a confidence that we'll get something out of this and I think they have enough of that in their team um, where they can provide that big punch and they can sit in they can absorb they can go down a goal but there's always that belief and for the Timber standpoint, you know, I would never count them out as being in the, you know, the top three, top four. You know, they, they're going to be there in around it. And I think what you see coming up through now with uh, Eric Williamson, um, who's, who's done well. If Jimmy Chara, once he comes back from Colombia, if he can have a good season. Felipe Mora, if he can put in the goals. You know, you're putting in these new pieces as well to, to the guys who have been here for a while. And, and if they can all mesh and they all um, find a bit of form, you know, I, I really do think, Kendra, that they'll be one of the top teams in the West. Just finally for me, Ross, um, we, we can sit here and, and speculate what's a good season for Portland Timbers, but you, you know Giovanni Savarese better than most. What's he thinking at the moment? Is he satisfied with, with what he's got? And what does he think is a good season for Portland Timbers? Supporter Shields. I mean, that's the, the pressure in in this market it really is and it's it's uh week in week out and uh, i think the fans holds the the players accountable uh, i think you know the ownership certainly does and, and merritt paulson i i see him down at the training ground all the time um you know but before covid i, w- I wasn't allowed for a certain period back at uh, the training now that i'm allowed out there and you know you see merritt every single day so you know there's there is that pressure but the way geo takes that on and he protects his players. Um, you know, from all the different managers that we as broadcasters get to chat to, there's something about Gio, and it, his positive energy is certainly his approach. And I think it, it serves these, this group of players so well. You know, the experienced players, he's relatable to. The young players, he gives them time. Um, so his expectations, and, and it's his, but it's also the clubs, it's the fans around it. You've got to be at the top, and you have to be shooting for MLS Cup. Um, every every single year, and Gio knows that. But again, you you wouldn't know that from when you have the chats with him. He's just such a down to earth human being. Wonderful, uh, Ross Smith from Portland Timbers. Thank you very much for joining us. Really, really appreciate it. My thanks, as always, to Kindred East St Alban, and of course uh, to you for listening at home. Late start on Saturday evening. Kickoff moved to 10 p.m. Central as Minnesota United take on Portland Timbers at Providence Park.